0: I'm Paul Sutton and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. The public relations industry has been going through something of a turbulent time over the last 12 months. With a global economy being so unpredictable, shifting online behaviour and the advent of generative AI have put pressure on leaders to try and steady the ship during an erratic period. That's not to say it's been a wholly negative year and there are opportunities out there for those willing to explore and embrace industry changes. But it has been and continues to be a pretty tough time for many agencies and independent practitioners. Among the many ways the communications industry is evolving, the media, in the broad sense of the word, has both expanded and contracted at the same time. The creator economy is booming, and this has opened up a whole world of opportunity to brands and organisations wishing to collaborate in new and inventive ways in order to reach their target audiences. But on the flip side, conventional media has continued its decline, with outlets converging and journalists becoming increasingly difficult to reach and influence. Competition in the media is arguably higher than ever before and that's putting pressure on PR people to be more insightful when it comes to data-driven storytelling and proving their worth. The value of public relations has probably never been as important to define as it is now, especially in a world where AI threatens to pull the rug from under us. And that AI threat is not an idle one. Yes, inevitably we'll see clients churning out terrible content created by ChatGPT and badly written news releases. But the fact remains that PR will come under greater scrutiny when at least some of that work can be done by a robot. The key for the communications industry is understanding this and adapting to it. Technology has a big role to play in PR in the next couple of years. That's the fulcrum around which today's show revolves. I wanted to get the insight of someone who's really ahead of the curve. And that person is Ginny Dietrich, CEO of Armand Dietrich and the founder of Spin Sucks. Ginny's been a regular guest on this show since it was launched five years ago. And on this occasion, I asked her how business has been over the last 12 months.
1: It's been pretty volatile and i would say it has been for the last 2 years because we came out of the pandemic you know in 2020 and 2021 everybody was like okay we're ready to go but then you know we had we had supply chain issues we have inflation there's all this stuff that's happening that is affecting it so it's been pretty volatile but i think now people are like okay maybe this is our new normal okay it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be we haven't had a crash like we did in 2008 2009 and so we can actually manage through this, so I'm actually looking i think i'm I'm pretty optimistic about going into next year just with budgets increasing, and I was just saying this to my husband the other night, like normally, right after Labor Day here, which is like September fifth ish fourth or fifth, we see everybody rushing to hire agencies between that time and thanksgiving here in the u s which is the third Thursday of November. This year, it has September was incredibly slow, and I was like, okay, maybe it's you know the economy and everything. And then all of a sudden, it just bam! So it was about a month delayed, but that okay. we started to see. I mean, massive increase in the last three weeks.
0: Uh, my, my impression, again, this is only my impression of people I've talked to, is that the economy here, or, or the 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 uptick, if you like, that that you're talking about, I think that's more delayed than in the states. Interesting. I think certainly is what I've seen anyway. Yeah. Is that I'm getting projects being delayed and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Mm -hmm. And this has happened before. It's not the first time I've seen this, but projects that are just being kicked down the road a bit. You know, They're they're not saying, no, we can't do this. They're wanting to do stuff, but for whatever reason, not releasing the money or saying it'll be next month. And then it'll be the month after that. And I'm seeing that a lot.
1: I wonder how far you trail typically is it three to six months
0: yeah i've always wondered this because whenever i talk to you there does seem to be a bit of a trail of the uk mm-hmm. behind the us uh, and i've never figured out how how far that is or whether there is a... well, let's
1: let's mark this so let's you say should. october let's see where you are in april and see if it's starting to turn around by april or even sooner and then we'll be able to know and then we'll become famous because we can predict it
0: <laughs> famous <laughs> economist <laughs> In in the PR space, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) No, it's interesting. It'd be interesting to see what happens. I think, um, like you said, normally I see a big uptick in late August, September. Suddenly, it goes really busy, and September to normally mid December in my case, and normally my busiest time of year. This year,
1: it's been the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I would say in the last, so we're recording this the last of October. I would say the last two weeks has been crazy like normal. So it's six weeks behind what it would normally be.
0: I'm going to keep my fingers crossed in that place. Then, yeah, then yeah, by, yeah, By the new year, it all comes around again and, yeah. and uh, you know, that's all good. Okay. Well, um, going back to the main thing then, let's start talking about Twitter and X. I still can't call it X. I can't. Let's either. talk about Twitter. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's nuts in itself. What's happened this year is, is I don't know. Are you, are you still using Twitter? I'm not. No. Okay.
1: I mean, I haven't closed my account like a lot of people have, and I still... We're just on the um, outset of Matthew Perry dying, and so when that happened, I immediately went to Twitter to see what, mm. what if the news reports were correct. Yeah. Um, but that's the first time I've used it in months, just for for something practical. I don't check it. You know, I used to check it multiple times a day. I don't even go there anymore.
0: No, I'm the same. Absolutely. I think I stopped using it middle of July, basically for ethical reasons. I just I cannot support this thing anymore. Yeah. But yeah, having yeah. said that. I do have I have a Twitter list which is my sports team. You know oh, the, the football yeah, team. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's where I get my sports news. And every time I click on it, I feel a bit guilty and dirty. <laughs> <laughs> looking at that,
1: it's hilarious. There's, uh, have you seen? There's a bumper sticker that people here are using on their Teslas that say, I I bought it before he became a crazy, like a maniac, essentially. Yeah, so, yeah, they, yeah. so they put that on their cars, on their Teslas. <laughs> I think that's hilarious.
0: Yeah, haven't seen that here yet, but who knows? Oh, but like yeah, I said, yeah, there, yeah. there's a trail on yeah. it, so we'll be in a month. You'll see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from, from a business perspective, it's not just – people i know who have been heavy twitter users i mean we would have met originally on twitter yeah uh, and a lot of my business used to come through twitter it ha- but, yeah you know a couple of years ago i'd scaled it back and then eventually mid-july decided i'd had enough oh, from a business perspective it just seems to hold no weight anymore
1: it doesn't yeah i think if you do heavy media relations there's probably still because reporters are still using it a bit but LinkedIn has completely replaced it, at least for us, in terms yeah. of bizdev.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Do you talk to clients about Twitter at all? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you yeah. advise them on it? And what are you saying to them? Because I, I find this delicate balance there where people come to me saying, how do we improve our Twitter oh. profile? And my advice, what I want to say to them is, get off it. And right. sometimes I have. Yep. And sometimes it doesn't feel appropriate to give that because that is a very personal response from my disbelief in what is happening there
1: interesting but you it's i think it's less per, you can make it less personal by just looking at the data right i mean it's not working we no. a year ago exactly a year ago we brought on a new client and he want the ceo we launched a podcast and the ceo wanted to do it through twitter and we tried the first two episodes that way and it was such a disaster that we were like and 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 that showed to him that we didn't need to spend any time on Twitter, and we don't. Yeah, like we completely yeah. changed tactic because of that, because it was it was a disaster.
0: Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, how are you finding things from a media perspective then? Because again, you go back a few years, and Twitter was kind of the big place where yeah. all your journalists were. You kept in touch with them. You followed what they were talking about. How's that impacted the the PR side of things, the media side of things?
1: I think it's slowed down a bit, but there are there's still activity there, which is part part of the reason we haven't. I haven't completely shut my yep. account down, but yeah, I mean, I think there's still you're still able to use it from for that, but there has to be really specific reasons, right? You can't. I wouldn't use. I would never bring on a new client and use it for brand building anymore. Ever.
0: No, no, I tend to agree. It's it's a shame. It really is a shame. And I
1: know.
0: Like I said, years ago, it was the central place for, for me anyway, and for a lot of people.
1: Well, and we all met that way and we all like, right? I mean yep. it was it was such a great place to, to find to find new people and to build relationships and are.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on from Twitter then. One of the things that again I have seen this year and I think you'll probably agree with this, is, is all around Google and the way mm. Google's algorithm has changed or is changing. Mm-hmm. It's becoming – I mean, semantic search has been on the cards for years, I mean, literally years. Again, have you seen a big impact on what's changing there to PR?
1: We haven't seen it yet. Okay. But we anticipate it coming. And the only reason I don't think we've seen it yet is because the big changes that they are making are only available via Android, Android and Google users right now. So, you know, if I, I'm i on an iPhone, so I haven't seen the changes yet. Okay. But we anticipate it. And based on what Android users are telling us and showing me, uh, you know, every time I'm with my, a girlfriend of mine who has an Android, I'm like, okay, look up this and show me this. And so I can see, like <laughs> I can see it. But I, I think we're going to see a big shift from, you know, the kinds of content we're creating right now, which is, you know, everybody has always said, create how to and lists and things like that, which are good. But what's going to happen is Google's now going to give you the answer to your question directly in your search. So yeah. to your point, it's going to be more semantic, but it'll say, like, how do I execute the peso model? And it'll say do this, 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 and this. And it might pull the content from a blog post I've written, but it won't necessarily give somebody the reason or the link to go to my site. So now you yeah. have to think about how are you going to create content that's so robust that Google can't just take the snippet and not give the link is essentially what it is.
0: That's an interesting way of thinking about it, actually, because the way I've thought about it is is almost opposite in terms of you've got to try and optimize your content to be that snippet, which is agreed.
1: For sure, yeah. But,
0: but Google's going to show that snippet, and there's the answer. So you, I, I guess what I'm getting at is no one has to visit your website, but you're saying what you want to be is top of the result, but with kind of a almost a call to action in that snippet that someone's yes. going, I, actually, I do need to get to this website.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that we're implementing right now that we're testing are content hubs. So we've yep. got a page... So we have a page that what is the PESO model, and at the top it has the snippet, and then it has, we, we break it down, like what is it, here are all the blog posts we've written on it, here's paid, here's earned, here's shared, here's owned, here's thought leadership, here's how you measure it, and oh, by the way, here's some links about the PESO model that aren't ours around the web. So it's this yeah. really big page, web, website page, full of links that come to our content That has the snippet at the top so that when, so we get both, we get the snippet and we get the, oh my gosh, I have to actually know more. They come to this page. They need, they get everything they need. So Google's going to place that up top because it doesn't have to send you to five different places.
0: Yeah. And, and, and the benefit of these things, like you said, first, you're giving answers and all sorts of information. You're increasing your dwell time on that page by God knows how long, because people, even if they don't read it, they're going to skim down the whole thing. Yep. So, I agree with you. Pillar content is, well, I'm redeveloping my website at the moment, and I've got it on the plan that I need to be writing three, four, five bits of really in depth pillar content. But to your point, that's where years of blogging actually really helps. Right. That's right. And podcasts and all sorts that's of right. stuff, which is yeah. on your site. Yes. The people who don't have that have got to write all that from scratch. Yes. So it's an interesting one, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And some of it we have to update, right? Like some of it, some of it, some of the content is two or three years old. So we're going to go, now that we have the content hub created, we're going to go through and and update all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, we're not creating new.
0: No, I was going to say, with regard to updating, are you going back to say a blog post that's three years old? and editing that post so it's still in, in google's eyes it's still three years old Correct. but it's just got slightly different content
1: yep updating the date but we're not publishing we're using the same url so that google yeah. thinks, understands that it's still three years old
0: yeah okay interesting the example you gave there because i looked this up what is the peso model okay your result doesn't come top obviously i'm from the uk
1: does it come second
0: I didn't look that far, but then oh, maybe yeah. that's I the think, answer, is I think
1: we're second right now.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so we, ha- I, I have a a website which gives that snippet and talks about the peso model, and I did click through to the website mm-hmm. because I wanted wanted to see what it was. Huge, huge piece of content.
1: Is it? Is it uh, Michael Britz?
0: It is. Yes. Yeah. And it does it does link back to you, mm-hmm. so it's not a bad piece of content. It really oh, I'm means. aware. <laughs> <laughs> But he's obviously done an amazing job of putting together yeah. a incredible piece of pillar content. Which, yeah. I mean, I didn't go through it in any great detail. I would, I would guess it's several thousand words. Yeah, it's three, probably four, three four thousand, or four
1: thousand words. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Which
0: is what these things have to be.
1: Yep.
0: So, yeah, I, I was just curious as to whether that was a. A geographic thing but obviously not He's no just it a-
1: comes up for us first too we're, we're second but the content hub that we that I just talked about we just published so it won't show up for a little bit
0: yeah okay I see these these pieces of pillar content as a real opportunity for PR people for writers for mm-hmm. yes. and I'm not even talking SEO people because SEO people are going to be all over this obviously yes. but for PR specifically to get in front of Again, have you seen or do, are you aware of PR people talking about this? No. <laughs> no, me neither, <laughs> which is why I asked the question.
1: Yeah. I mean, no. And, and I keep bringing it up because I'm like, this is so important. And actually, I wrote a, an article on it probably in September. And an, a professor who's in Toronto emailed me and was like, this is so good. I need more. I need you to to explain this to me so I can teach my students. And I'm like, okay. So for teaching the students, this is, but like, you're, it's a real grassroots thing because I have to get to the students who will then go out into the world who will then, right? So it's it, it it's happening, and and that's a longer tail effect. So we need people who are already in the field, our professionals, our colleagues, to to start doing and thinking about this.
0: Yeah, the the pieces that you've put together how long has it taken you to put a piece of pillar content Oof. and this is this is we're in mind that you already have the stuff there
1: a long time i t- chip away at one piece every day until it's finished it's, it's usually taking me two or three weeks to do one wow. piece yeah but I, you know i mean some days i can spend 15 minutes on it and sometimes i can spend an hour so it's sort of like writing a book like I, I want to get this quote unquote chapter done, get it published, yeah. get it out. And then I'm going move on to the next.
0: So, I mean, you add that up let's say, what is that a full day's work time? Do you think? It's probably two. Two days for one piece of pillar content. But then you look at it the other way. What a great piece of chargeable work that would be. Right. You know?
1: Exactly. And we're doing the work for clients. Yeah. We're doing, we're doing those for clients and they're working incredibly well.
0: And you're seeing results on those already, then? We
1: are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we started with them over the summer. We didn't start our own until because you know shoemakers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you always last. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, what's the sort of amount of time you're seeing an impact? Let's say you you finish this piece of pillar content on on a website, and assuming you've picked your search term, your title correctly, you know, picked a good term. Have you got any idea of roughly how long you would expect? a result to appear?
1: Um, that's a good question. Let me think about this for a minute. So we launched the very first one for a client probably two months ago. So I would say it took five-ish weeks, four and a half, five weeks. That's quite quick. It's it's fast. Yeah. It's not- I wasn't oh, expecting
0: that. I, yeah, I would yeah, have thought yeah. you would have said two to three months.
1: No. We saw, we saw results. Now- we the, he they're in an industry where nobody's doing content. So right, they already okay. have a leg up from that perspective. We built a brand really fast for them because no one else in their industry is doing this. So we have that advantage. But I would say, you know, two months is probably the right amount of time to start seeing results.
0: That's still, that is pretty good though, isn't it? Yeah. If you think about typical SEO efforts, it takes a while, so yeah, two months is not bad at all. A lot of work, but you're getting quite a quick result and a good result, which is the main a thing. A really good result, yeah. right. How have you gone about finding the right the right titles for your pieces, which are obviously linked to questions that are being asked, I would assume?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it depends for sure. Um, like we did one for a client on change management because their audience are HR professionals and and they're going through like, all of the changes, you know, are we hybrid, remote, fully in person? Are we doing, what are we doing for mental health and wellness? What are we doing for DEI? So they're going through all of this change internally. And that was one of the things that continued to come up consistently. Yeah. So we did the ultimate guide for change management for H, of change management for HR pros. And so okay. we made sure that, you know, it was all about that. But then I have a really good writer on my team and she kicked out maybe eight blog posts on the topic, but then wrote okay. the pillar content. And then in the pillar content we linked to the blog posts and we also linked to podcast episodes. Yeah. That talked about it.
0: And when you've done the podcast episodes, have you literally put a link in? Or have you linked to a transcription or how, how's that worked?
1: We we put all of the podcast episodes on the home or on the website. And so yeah. we're linking to that versus to... To the, to the page which hosts yeah, yeah, the podcast. Yeah, versus yeah, yeah. Apple or Spotify or something.
0: Fine. Okay. Here's a question then. Have you... Obviously, you've got a good writer. So the answer to this is going to be no. <laughs> but have you ever been tempted or have you used AI to write... Oh, heck
1: yeah. Heck yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting yeah. that. You yes. said we've got a really good copywriter. I'm like, well, they don't do this then.
1: Oh, she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all use it as a first draft. I use it as a first draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Always. Because there's a theory that if, if you've got to write, say, three or 4,000 words as a piece of pillar content, and you need to generate, I don't know, 15, 20 blog posts because you want to link to those,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. You could use AI. In theory at least. In theory. To generate twenty blog posts on specific topics you that yeah. you want to link to, yeah. then write your three thousand word piece also using AI. Yeah. And whereas you've taken two working days to do this, could be done in an hour.
1: I think it would still take more time than that because what what AI in my experience what AI pumps out is a good first draft. But mm. it's not, you know, what what the semantic search or the the I think he's, I can't remember exactly the term that Google's using but it's something about generative search what they what it's looking for now is is true thought leadership and true you know like work so and so instead of taking what what AI pumps out and doing that you would take what AI has pumped out which is great and then you add in your case studies, your best practices, your how this has worked for us. We've done this and it worked this way, that kind of stuff. So it shows that you're an, a true expert on the topic. So, and then it probably goes through two or three rounds of edits after that, but take that first draft. It's it's still going to take you more than an hour, but you take that first draft and, and then c- add in your expertise and thought leadership. And then you have something that can be used. Yeah.
0: I'm quite surprised you said, yeah.
1: Oh, heck yeah. I freaking love it. I love it. It is my favorite. I mean, it saves us so much time. Yeah. We have a client who does a one hour webinar every week. And a year ago, we had to, we would use Rev or Temi to, to transcribe it, but then we had to go through and clean it up. And then we had to write three or four blog posts from it. And I mean, it took us two weeks now. We get it transcribed immediately. We throw it into chat GPT. We say, write four blog posts from this transcript. It pumps out four blog posts. Are they great? No, but they give us a starting point and then we can give the everything to the client the next day. And he thinks we're wonderful. He's like, <laughs> this used to take you two weeks. And I'm like, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. I love it. Yeah. because And again, I, I see a lot of people saying you should never do this, but it's copywriters. That's who says you shouldn't do this.
1: Even my copywriters use it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that, to, me, to me, that's right. If I, if I were a copywriter, I'd be all over this stuff. Heck I really yeah. would. It know? just
1: saves you time. And instead yeah. of staring at a blank sheet of paper, now you, you could even just say, I need to write an article on the peso model, write an outline and it gives you an outline so now you have something to start with right instead of staring at your blank blank sheet of paper
0: yeah the, the other sort of clique of people who i see talking very anti ai or ai copywriting is people who work with tone of voice and and um that sort of stuff and brand personas uh which i kind of get because you can still add that in yeah i know no, no, that's what i think as well so <laughs> right. to let it do the yeah exactly yes, let
1: it- you then
0: tweak it absolutely I, i i totally agree with you
1: i always throw stuff in and i like i even for for brand personas i just i just talked about this on our on my podcast but i i prompted it with create a brand persona that like i gave it all of these stipulations i want to know goals roles pain points strengths all of that and it pumps out and it even says Jessica Roberts, HR manager, here's everything. And is it fully accurate? No, but it gives you a great place to start so that you can then go, okay, I can take this and tweak it and make sure that it works over here. And then, then you can say to it in your same chat, you can say, here's their website copy for our homepage and you copy and paste it in there. Does it fit Jessica Roberts pain points and challenges? And it says yes or no. It says, yes, you hit these points, but here are opportunities to tweak. And now you have an opportunity to start to tweak your website copy too. Yeah. I, I don't know why people don't use it. I, it's it's not cheating. It's not illegal. It's not unethical. It's just a great starting point.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I produced a website, wrote a website a couple of months ago, three months ago maybe, and I kind of did it the other way around, sort of. So what I ended up doing was was asking for some copy on a specific
1: topic
0: okay uh so i don't know let's say 300 words on whatever it was and then i would get that and and tweak it to more to add in things take out things yeah you like to say tweaking it and then i put it back in again and saying can you i asked it to liven it up in a in a certain way yep and it did that for me because yep. i've thought my own writing was a bit dry and i couldn't think of a way of livening it so i almost added the brand persona using love it the ai love it which you know and again it it, it's a different use of it maybe but it it just goes to show it it does help so much
1: it helps so much (laughs) like why wouldn't you want to be more efficient
0: i know yeah
1: it's kind of like when i this this ages me but you know we, we used to have the big huge green bacons books that had all the journalists listed in it and then everything went online so it's much easier to type into scission or muckrack or, you know, propel or whatever, Mm. what you're looking for. And it pumps out a ton of people for you. Right. Or do you want to go back to the big green bacon's book and go through and find and highlight and like, stop it. Stop using the big green bacon's (laughs) books and go online. Like it just makes you more efficient.
0: Yeah. What other ways are you using AI? So obviously there's the copywriting. Yep. which I, I assume is is the major way it's the major way yeah are there any other ways you were using it for in 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 terms of practice for yourselves or for clients
1: we do we did a competitive analysis um for a couple of clients using it which was really great because it came up with some some things that we did not
0: when you say in terms of what
1: so you what we did is we copied homepage copy for our client and then four of their four of their competitors
0: yep. and then
1: put all of that in there and said create a graphic that shows strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats essentially um and it does it it builds you like a whole model and it shows you here are the strengths for each here are the weaknesses for each and there were a couple of things so because because this particular client we've been working with for a couple of years we already had done a swot analysis for them so we just compared it and there were a couple of things it got that we just didn't get and i was like okay this is really good and it just helps you keep things fresh right I understand why people are scared. People don't like change. You know, pe- some people are afraid it's going to take their job, but from a content perspective, it's not going to take your job because you still have to pre- provide the thought leadership and the expertise. You can't just, mm-hmm. there will, there will be organizations for sure that don't hire copywriters and just pump stuff out of, of yep. chat GPT, which is going to be gross and boring and dry and, It'll sound the same as everybody else, but there are also the companies who would never pay one hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars an hour for a copywriter anyway. So yeah, yeah, they're not going to. Re- it's not going to replace you. It's making you more efficient for sure, but you still have to do what you do. It's kind of like having an intern write the first draft and you helping it learn how, helping the intern learn how to improve it.
0: But I mean, you've you've been banging the drum for AI for I have. I want to say five years, At probably. Least. Maybe probably longer, Yeah. I mean, in, in <laughs> uh, over here, we the, the CIPR did a study that was five years ago, where they they predicted they they modelled out all different areas, different tasks that a typical PR person would do, mm-hmm. uh, typical roles, all, all sorts of stuff, and they mapped this all out, and then they did a study and a uh, to try and work out what AI was capable of then. And looking forward five years, what it would be capable of in the future.
1: Interesting.
0: The interesting thing is, so this would have been lit, about five years ago, summer of 2018, I guess, sometime some, some around that. Okay. Up until the back end of last year, probably up until Christmas this year, it looked so as if they'd got this wrong because AI kind of didn't yeah. do a lot for four years. Yeah. And then suddenly, yes, in nine months, it's just. Bang. And their their predictions look absolutely spot on. It's quite interesting. And that's all down to chat GPT. I'm sure, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I remember you banging the drum on this five or six years ago, literally. Well, I remember
1: a company called Narrative Science. I think they've been purchased since then, since in, since this happened. But probably 10 years ago, I remember they were talking about how AI was going to write Articles for newspapers. And I remember at the time thinking, like, I, at the time, I'm thinking what most people are thinking now. Like, there's no way it's going to replace us. They, they, it can't be creative. Like, I remember thinking that. And the CEO from, and I wrote a, a blog post about it. And the CEO from Narrative Science, who happened to be in Chico- who happens to be in Chicago, called me and was like, can I show this to you? And I said, sure. And so he did. And I was like, okay, this is actually really cool. But the way he explained it was the AI at the time was only writing things that humans either didn't want to or couldn't do. Like kids baseball team commentary and scores and you know, stock holdings and financial reporting for anybody that's Fortune two thousand. And higher, like that kind of stuff that they're just never gonna have humans do. But now with AI, we can create this stuff. And I was like, okay, that's actually really interesting. So that changed my mind. And as we've gone along, you know, you've seen these things. And do I think it's as creative as as a human is? No. Do I think it's going to be? Absolutely. Hmm. So you just have to change, you have to evolve with the times. You have to understand how it works now, what kinds of things it's going to provide you now. And then be, pre- be prepared to evolve with it. So like I said, you know, we, we stopped billing our time to go through the Big Bacon's books, which took us five hours to create a media list. Now we can do it in 30 seconds online. It's just making you more efficient. And you're going to replace those four and a half hours with something else.
0: Yeah. So that was going to be my next question. So let's say in that example, so something that would have taken you five hours now takes you 30 minutes, whatever. Do you still charge the five hours work? No. So isn't that stealing your your revenue?
1: That's a good question. So the way that we are approaching it is like the client I mentioned that we do the one hour webinar transcripts for where it would take us two weeks. Now we have all of this time available. So we have we have a list of things we've always wanted to do for this particular client, but we have either time or budget haven't been able to do it. Now we can take those things off the back burner and say, okay, let's do this, or let's try that. Or and he's the CEO of that company is like, this is the best thing ever because, and he's still our our budgets hasn't haven't changed. That's just the way that we are attributing our time has changed.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're actually saying. Okay, we're getting the same amount of, we're getting paid the same amount or more, but we're doing different work. We're doing higher level work because all of the standard stuff is already taken care of. Yes. And it's not that he's doing that. You're still doing it for him. Right. So you've got control of the whole thing, but you're now able to do work at a much higher level. Yes. Which is interesting.
1: And it's more enjoyable because nobody likes to take a transcript and try to write blog posts from it. No one.
0: Yeah. It's
1: terrible. It's terrible work.
0: Yeah. I find the data analysis side of things, which you were yes. talking about, quite interesting. Yes. Because, I mean, a lot of my work is is strategy work, Yep, which would involve, it does involve comparing and contrasting, you know, uh, my client with competitors and stuff. And it's not a use case I have used it for yet, actually. Oh, it's which not? Okay. Now it's making me feel a bit stupid <laughs> because having sat there looking at websites <laughs> or, I don't know. Two, two Facebook pages, which I've got to compare. <laughs> That's taken me quite a lot of time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> which I needn't have spent maybe. But
1: you know? see the, the, the challenge right now with it is you have to have the actual words. So you have to go to the, the homepage and copy and paste. It's a little bit harder with the Facebook page because you would, Yeah. It, eventually it'll be able to analyze links and then it's going to be life changing. I mean. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. How has media coverage changed or not changed in the last twelve months? Do you are you still finding as much value in media coverage? And I know there's two ways of answering that because you can look at it from an SEO angle and links and that side of stuff. Sure. And you can look at it from a reputational angle. Sure. What's your feeling on how on the value of that sort of stuff?
1: So I'm going to answer this from a B2B perspective because that's the kind of work that we do. So yep. B2C is going to be a little bit different. But from a B2B perspective, what we have seen the biggest shift in is people going to review sites versus looking up in media. So okay. instead of Googling, you know, what does Company X do or, you know, like they're going to actual review sites and looking up the product or service there Yep. instead of doing a Google search and finding you know, media stories yeah. essentially. So we've seen a massive shift to that this year. And we you think about your own, like I, my husband's much better at this than I am, but even still, like I'll see an ad for something or I'll see an influencer talking about something or I'll hear about something. And the first thing I do is go to a review site to see what other people are, are saying. And, or I'll search product reviews for X and it'll give me all the reviews, like if the Today Show has done something, great. But that's pay for play, right? That's not that's not traditional earn. But you like I, from my own consumer habits, those have changed too. That's that's the first thing I do. Yeah. Is go to a review site before I buy something.
0: So has that changed the nature of the work that you're doing? Because mm-hmm, you, you've seen those, that shift. So does that mean your your PR work in, in, in inverted commas is is focused on getting reviews.
1: Well I mean you you know this already. We've we haven't focused on earned media solely in, in a long long time. We yeah, yeah. always implement yeah. the peso model. One of the things I I strongly believe that owned media comes first because without owned media you don't have anything that provides the credibility that a journalist needs to understand who you are. You don't have anything to share on social, you don't have anything to boost on paid. So you have to have the content first. Yeah. And then you have one of three paths, right? You go to shared next, or you go to earned next, or you go to paid next. We are almost exclusively going shared, paid, and then earned. And part of the earned, where it used to be owned and then earned, but we, it's almost last now, and almost always, part of the earned is working with Glassdoor and you know all Trustpilot and all the review sites. Yeah. And then doing influencer relations as well to help boost that. So we almost always do those two things first before we even do traditional media relations.
0: Yeah. I, I'm really surprised that you would say earned is third on that list. That That's, I don't know, maybe it's because, you know, as I've grown up through my career in, in agencies and stuff, earned has always been the holy grail, you know, that's what we wanted. Of
1: course. But think about what's changed. Like, nobody trusts media anymore. Yeah. There, jour- there's like 12 PR people for every journalist today. Journalists are worn out because they're doing the job of three or four people. Like, e- everything has changed. And now, like, to get the attention of a journalist today, unless you have a standing relationship, is almost impossible.
0: Yeah. I'm also surprised. Well, no, actually, I'm not surprised. I'm the fact that you you put paid so high. I'm not surprised because a lot of my work now has switched to paid. Has it? So I do a lot of strategy. I do a lot of training. Yep. But out of the the more sort of tactical stuff I do, it's paid. And that can be, you know, simple things like post boosting or it can be I do a lot of Google Ads nowadays. Lots of Google Ads. Lots of Google
1: Ads. We do too.
0: And my mindset over the last, it's been coming for several years, but is, is now that you can't do anything without paid. And that I firmly believe that. I agree. With you. And I tell clients this, you know, if I'm doing a social media strategy, I'm going to talk to them about paid because I don't think you can do it without it. Well, rarely anyway.
1: And you almost cannot do earned media without paid media anymore because so many places are, are pay for place. So many. You know, yeah. there are still the the big top, top tier publications that are not. But how often are you going to get in The Guardian or The New York Times or on BBC or The Today Show, yeah. right? Like once, once a year, maybe. So you have to be thinking about all this other stuff that goes along with it. I mean, even going back to our Twitter conversation at the beginning, like you used to be able to just tweet a link to whatever you've created and people would click on it and read it, right? Or listen to it or watch it. And now you have to be incredibly strategic about it. Like you can't just, you can't share a link in a post on Facebook because it will- It'll kill it. Yeah, like meta will not show it to anybody. So there's all of this stuff that has changed that we just, just, you have to keep just keep up, unfortunately. But you
0: you still, obviously you're still blogging. I am. Is that now- a lot less important than it used to be.
1: It's not, actually. It's ah, still okay. It still is our number one driver of revenue, still. And I repurpose a lot of content on LinkedIn, and that's driving a ton as well. But it's still the the, the blog content.
0: So is that going to existing subscribers primarily?
1: So the blog goes to existing subscribers. Yeah. LinkedIn, LinkedIn has, I mean it's exploded. I have almost 100,000 followers on LinkedIn, which is astonishing to me. But it's people that would never subscribe to the blog. So the blog almost speaks to, well, not almost. The blog speaks to industry. It talks to other PR and, and communications professionals. I take that content and I tweak it to speak to a business owner or a business leader on LinkedIn. So it's the same content, but it's changed. The audience has changed. So I tweak it because like On the blog, I might say, you know, as a comms pro, you should do this, 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 and this. And then on LinkedIn, I'll say, as a business leader, these are the things that your comms team should be doing. These are the things that you can use to hold your team accountable. Like I'm educating them on PR and communications so that they understand. I understand what this is. I understand how to hire. And that is driving a ton of requests for proposal. Tons.
0: So your LinkedIn content isn't—you're not trying to drive people back to your website then. So you're not—you're not. For example, I, I accept what you're saying. You're tweaking the copy. Are you so you're writing a post which is tweaked in terms of the audience? Are you then putting a link in it or a link in the comments or something to try and drive people back? So
1: this is a—I'm grinning because this is a big source of contention internally.
0: I'm okay. not.
1: Because I'm using the I, the way that I'm using that is through the Spinsucks newsletter feature on LinkedIn. So it's an actual newsletter. There are links to content on, the, on our website for sure, but I, I'm not using it to build subscribers or yeah. it, it, to bring people to the website because I don't care. Because what I've seen is that people will read it and direct message me on LinkedIn and say, we are actually hiring or I'm interested in talking to you. I had one person say to me, I read everything that you write because I'm I'm not a PR person, but I'm in charge of PR. And then he's like, I need to hire you. And so it, it has just created, you know, top of mind for sure, but also the thought leadership and brand awareness to actually drive people to take action. So I don't care if they come to the website, but like I said, it's a big source of contention. And
0: <laughs> but then, like you said, it doesn't matter, does it? Because if, if you're getting contacted, who cares? whether That's what I or think! Or <laughs> <laughs> right. It's because your your people have been measured on people to the website. Like, oh my God. I don't care.
1: <laughs> All I care about is whether or not we're driving revenue and that's driving revenue.
0: Absolutely. How often are you writing? Once a week. Once a week. So that must be down quite a bit then. It's
1: down. I mean, we used to do it every day.
0: Yeah, I thought you did.
1: Yeah. But I spend more time on it. Wait a lot more time on it.
0: So are you writing longer posts?
1: Yes. And more researched and all of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they're more in depth. And then also you're you're rewriting them effectively or, or tweaking them anyway for, for LinkedIn. And how often are you posting on LinkedIn? Once a week. Okay. So that's quite minimal. Once a week on LinkedIn. But yeah. again, to your point, it doesn't matter if you're getting results, does it? Right. It's, it's, it's what works. <laughs> okay. When it comes to the Peso model then, do you need to... I was going to say rip it up don't mean rip it up god no do you need to tweak it and turn it around and move it all because it must have I do all right I'm going to reword this do you think the pacer model is out of date what's given what's happened this year
1: uh yes and we're we're launching a new version in January so thanks for raining on my parade <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah 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 and you know it's funny because we we launched version two in February of twenty twenty, which the timing of that was impeccable, right? <laughs> um, but when we did that, it was funny because we looked at it and we had things like Google Plus on there and Vine and you know, there were all these tools. So at the time I was like, let's not do tools, let's talk about it strategically. And even yeah. still talking about it strategically, so much has changed just this year that yeah, we're we're working on a new model right now.
0: Okay. Any sneak preview for me? No. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see because since the last version, I mean, the, it's, it's totally different, isn't it? It's three years, basically. Yep. I'll be interested to see that. You're going to have to come back in in, uh, in January then when it launches uh, and tell me about it, I think. Happily. Uh, because... <laughs> 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 okay. Okay is there anything else you can think of that has had or is having a, a a big impact on on what you're doing or in pr in in a in a more generic sense at the moment
1: the only thing that i would say is you know and we we touched this a little bit but so many pr people focus on media relations and i think because things have changed so much and because that alone is so difficult to measure it's 2024 is the time to stretch your wings and really start to think about, can I add in owned? Where can we add in shared? Are we already doing shared, but we need to add in paid and own like really stretch your wings and start to think about how do we implement a full peso model so that we can measure our efforts. And we, we have some consistency. We don't have peaks and valleys. Like every time, A news article runs, we have a a peak and then we have valleys of while we're waiting, you know, so we have more consistency across the top. But really stretch your wings and say, okay, what is it that we should be adding? Should we add services? Should we add tactics to our comms plans? Whatever it happens to be, but really think about it from a peso model perspective. Because I think that that, I mean, certainly I've been banging that drum for a decade as well, but we (laughs) continue to see that internally, comms teams are being measured on the same types of things that marketers are. So this aligns you more closely with, the mar- with marketing. And externally as an agency, same thing. Like, No client wants to hire a-, a PR firm anymore and wait for results. So how do you find ways to deliver results immediately and keep those results consistent?
0: You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.